Hi, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Two Half Squads. Hello, everyone. It's the one and only podcast dedicated 100% to the greatest game in the world, the Two Half Squad. Oh, Advanced Squad later. The greatest game in the world. I'm Dave. Yes. And we're in a hurry. Because? Just all heck is breaking loose tonight. The water was coming up out of the floor. Yeah. I got a new dehumidifier for the basement, which I've been running for the last couple of days, and I'm just so happy. I keep coming down here. Ah, it's so nice and dry down here, because Mike and I were playing ASL down here the other night. It was so damp. It was like I was picking up Like the pages counters the would rule. stick to you? Yeah, everything. The, the pages and, in the rule book were heavy. And he was ac- heavy. accusing you of cheating, because the counters kept sticking to your arm, yeah. and you were trying to he, sneakily move them. Yeah. With them stuck to your arm. So I got a dehumidifier. It was wonderful, nice and dry. And so Dave and I have been down here recording another episode. And then suddenly there's water coming through the floor. The sump pump's not working. It uh, just got, the floater just got stuck, we hope. That's what we hope. That would be the that's easy answer. It's a new answer. sump pump, too, because I just put it in a couple, he did. You know, a few weeks ago. I have a sump pump. I don't, backup I'm trying to replace. I don't want to put it in. We want to play ASL. We don't want to put in some pumps. That's the way it is. I think everyone knows it's been pretty wet around here, Ohio. Everybody knows well, it. All Texas over the world, it's people flooding. are watching the. Yeah, people are watching this. Ohio had flooding. Yes, they did. Yeah, and now we just get rain every day, every other day. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start mailing it to California because they need it. Yeah, need the fresh build water. a giant pipeline. Oh, that'd be more efficient than mailing it because yeah. <clears throat> it's heavy. Yeah, postage would be outrageous. Yeah. So we're going to try to have a regular show, but there's it's just kind of all kinds of weird things happening. I think happening. we just have to go real fast. If it's instead of an hour and 15, it'll be a 45-minute show. Yeah, 45 minutes. There you go. <clears throat> I was reading something. There was an article in The Atlantic the other day about um, speed listening, which is uh, apparently kind of a craze. Not a craze, but a rising fad, and that is... Well, sometimes when I'm doing my iPod and I'm listening to podcasts, yeah. I might hit 2x, which yeah. is – but it, it it doesn't – my brain isn't quite comprehended as much. However, if well, they're you're slow – Well, you're dumb. <laughs> <laughs> and if, but if they're slow speakers and on a lot of these mm-hmm. podcasts, they kind of are. Um, you know, if I'm listening to a sermon from my brother-in-law or – uh, I think the history gals on um, What You Miss in History class, hmm. I can kind of do that on a 2X, but when it gets like Planet Money, where I'm going to really track what oh, I'm yeah. saying, or yes. more, a little more complicated stuff, or a fast-speaking person already, right? then no way. If it's a professionally done podcast, I like to listen to it, you know, pretty much normal. at normal speed, because usually the content is, it because it's professional, it's pretty good. But a lot of others where there's a lot of boring banter. Oh, For, who, who would put that yeah, in Who would podcast? do that? Who would waste all that time? I've been known to put it on one and a half. I don't usually do two. two I don't have an option. But I, I have one and a half on, mine, on my uh, Windows phone. I would sneak that on. Actually, the first time Laura and I discovered that existed on our VCR DVD recorder, mm-hmm. it was accidental. And we were watching something. And it was running at one point. You can watch on your two TV? or one point five. Yeah, yeah. Really? You can visually do it. Oh, I didn't know when that. you DVR something. Yeah. And we accidentally had that going, and then like I somehow was... we paused it, stopped it, and then started it again. It was normal. I'm like, what? 
So and we're playing like, it we and thought those people the audio? were talking a little quickly oh, yeah. or something or, you know. Wow. It was like only 1.2 or 1.3. Oh, okay. Just a little kick up. Yeah. But we could. Makes a difference. You kind of noticed, but it wasn't that obvious. Yeah. Well, we invite people that are that listen to this show that think, wow, those guys are boring or it's too long or whatever. It was an interesting article because well, it was saying that uh, authors are, get a little upset about it when people are reading and listening to an audio book oh. at one and a half because the author's thinking, man, I poured my blood, sweat, and tears pacing. into that, into that book. and They're rushing but, through it. You know, they don't really have any control over how fast somebody reads it. And a lot of times when I read a book, I'll, you know, you skip a sentence here and there, skip yeah. a paragraph if it's dull. Does Dave do that? No, and I usually <laughs> don't either. It's rare for me to do it. It has to be kind of bad. It has to be for real me bad for me. Yeah. But um, anyway, it's an interesting option because, you know, you can get more in. You can get caught up on all our episodes in like less than a thousand hours. Yeah, and I wonder if it would sound something like this. Wow. It was like only one point two. Or 1.3. Oh, okay. Just a little kick up. Yeah. But we could... Makes a difference. I kind of noticed, but it wasn't that obvious. Yeah. Well, we invite people that, are, that listen to this show that think, wow, those guys are boring or it's too long or whatever. It was an interesting article because well, it was saying that uh, authors are, get a little upset about it when people are reading or listening to an audio book oh. at one and a half because the author's thinking, man, I poured my blood, sweat, and tears pacing, into, that, into that book. And they're rushing but, through it. you know, they don't really have any control over how fast somebody reads it. And a lot of times when I read a book, I'll... You know, you skip a sentence here and there, skip a paragraph if it's dull. Does Dave do that? No, and I usually don't either. <laughs> it's rare for me to do it. It has to be kind of bad. It has to be for real me bad for me. Yeah. But um, anyway, it's an interesting option because, you know, you can get more in. You can get caught up on all our episodes in like less than a thousand hours. Yeah. Yeah, so that would that's not so bad. There you go. It sounds like that. You get a lot more squad leadering in the day. Listen, and if you don't like the banner, just hit it at 2x. That's right. 3x. I wish I could play it 2x, you know, get through some of these scenarios a little quicker. Hey, did you hear about Jimmy Fallon? No. His finger? His no. ring finger got, he tripped at home. His ring finger was caught on furniture and partially torn off. Really? Yeah. Caught and torn. You didn't hear that? How do you it catch your ring just on yesterday. a piece of furniture? That's the weird thing because my industrial arts teacher had told me, he doesn't wear his wedding ring at work. You still hang out with your industrial arts teacher? No, the one I teach with. <laughs> That's a little weird. Not the one that taught me. Oh. Not Mr. Kreider, the oh. one that taught me. Okay. Mr. Fernbach, the no. one I teach with. And you still and and you teach with him, but you still call him Mr. Fernbach. Only in front of the children. So his name would also be Dave. Okay. Oh, and I he see. said, I'm like, what where's your wedding ring? He goes, Well, not in the shop. I'm not gonna wear it especially. But he, he had a friend fell in a tree and it got caught somehow on a tree branch. And ripped his finger. So you'll notice my solution to that. Taking mine off right now. Right. See, but look what I did. I took off my whole ring finger on my left hand. See? Look at. You so took now, yeah. the whole finger. The whole finger's gone. I had it. You, you always want. You never asked me about that. Yeah, You've always been so polite. But that's what happened, Jeff. I just had it voluntarily removed. So now, I don't have to worry about it. My ring finger thing. getting torn off. Yeah. And, double bonus feature, you can now call me Frodo the... The nine-fingered, there you go, human. See, I'm like Dave. Frodo, and that's so it's a double reason. Oh yeah, Frodo. That's right. Because I love Lord of, yeah, Lord of the Rings so much yeah. that I thought, okay, now my ring finger's safe from getting <laughs> torn off, and I'm like Frodo the nine-fingered. It's a win-win for me. How do you play ASL with only nine fingers? Easy, because you're never really using that finger. Pay attention sometimes when you're playing a game. I guess I will. 
Well, that's good. That's uh, now I know why that is. But I'm keeping my right here. Yeah, glass. just keep that ring because you might get it caught on a microphone cord or something. Yeah. <laughs> something really dangerous. But I didn't know it, it was so dangerous. I meant to thank you again for the other night. You uh, hosted Dungeons and Dragons group mm-hmm. as you do every month or so, and that was a very nice time as every, usual. Every month, like clockwork. Yeah, Dave is a wonderful dungeon master. Yeah, playing the orc characters. Yeah, the or the orc characters. Orc, gnoll, oh. kobold, and not playing them ultra evil, right? But playing them as like little clowny kind of comedy. Yeah, just kind of doofuses. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which I do very well. I think. You do it. You're the, you're doing the best at that. Yeah. <laughs> you really threw <laughs> off Bridget. Dubious honor. You threw off Bridget the other night when you were on watch and the, you were searching for humans and they and there was an encounter with toads and you were enchanted with toads and then humans walked by and you didn't report it to the rest of the group. No, I thought because you toads. didn't want to disturb their sleep or yeah. <laughs> and they woke up. <laughs> That's really fun though. I do enjoy Dungeons and Dragons and I think. Part of the fun that I like is that there's no winners. Team play. Ergo, no losers, which I like. Now, there's a game called Forgotten Island. No, wait, what's it? Oh, shoot. It's called Old Men Losing Their (laughs) Memories. Comes in a metal box. Forbidden Island? It's something. Really? Like that. And, yeah, Yeah. there's you're all a team, and you're trying to vacate the island before it sinks. Hmm. It's really good. Oh, and you work together. Cooperative yeah, like gaming Euro is, game, is Euro popular. Game. Yeah. It's popular now. I've got a, a great game uh, that I'm getting ready to play. I'm pointing over there, even though it's upstairs. Oh, so I'm going to point over there. <laughs> so I'm looking, I've got a great game I'm over looking. there, but it's upstairs. It's the Lord of the Rings collectible card or living card game. Living card game. Yes, it's like LARPing. It's, live well, action. no, it's like a collectible card game. Only you don't have it without the. Um, the risk of buying a lot of packs that don't contain interesting cards. So you can oh, actually yeah. buy everything you need, and then you deck build and stuff like that. But it's cooperative. So, and Rob, my wife Robin is interested in learning it, so I'm, I'm learning it yeah. in my usual way. I started like three weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> like that Churchill model kit of that tank over yeah, there? Yes, exactly. That's the way I'm doing But I'm thinking, you know, for your D&D group, I'm th- I'm thinking I would like to be a dungeon master and do my own RPG. We'd love to and have you host us. We'd love to have that. So I'm thinking nice about break. doing the Lord of the Rings uh, role playing game, or you know, there is a somebody sent us this nice. I am pointing over there now, and be, it's <laughs> it there. Is there. It is there. The, somebody uh, sent us that GURPS. Is it GURPS? Maybe no. It's FASA. They sent it's a World War Two role playing game. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's behind that. Monitor number 16 there. That is not it. That's, well, it's GURPS. That's GURPS, that. but oh, no, it's actually, uh, if you, you may have to ascend in order to see it. Somebody sent it to us. Well, we, we talked about it behind yeah. enemy lines. Right. I don't know, though. I don't think we'll do that. But we'll do. No. I, I would like to do that. We'll Dungeon Master. Soon. I'm thinking of doing it professionally when I retire from computer consulting, which, by the way, Tonight's episode of the Two Half Squad is brought to you by Mindia LLC. Mindia, computer consultants to the world. That's me. Absolutely outstanding company. And our uh, my motto is technology working. 
as opposed to technology not working, which is what I find in most of the clients I go into. But listen, if you've got a small business and you're thinking about moving uh, your email to the cloud or you need help with your databases, your servers, your I, – I, I do it all. Content I could use Jeff. some. I could use some. I could use some more clients. And I'll, vo- I'll vouch for you. I'm getting rid of some of my clients that are not interesting. Because you know the ones they don't want to move forward. I think they don't. Is what you're thinking? They don't. They don't want to move forward. They they call me and they say, you know, can you come over? I need a new mouse. Can you come over? I'm like, no. But that's a job. I don't care. It's not interesting. I want to do interesting stuff. I want to take companies into the future. Cool. Yeah. So, give me a call. And big show tonight, or yeah, good show. We we have an interesting show tonight. We got a lot of ASL tonight. Yeah, a lot of stuff. And next show. So opening up, we have letters. Letters. Uh, this music was sent to us by a listener who obviously has very good taste. Jason Marshall. Timing was a little off on that bell. Yeah, a little bit. Well, it's done. This is done with a Mac, so that's why. (laughs) You know, somebody is very proud of themselves for this. Chris Gregg. achievement, but I have Chris to Gregg, say... Chris a computer scientist. He, he shouldn't be. Employed at Tufts University. Well... Still? But isn't there... Well, but isn't there something amazing about that? It's a Corona electric typewriter hooked mm-hmm. up to a... Mm-hmm. Is it a Mac, you say? hmm And somehow the computer is pushing down on the buttons mm-hmm. on the Corona. Mm-hmm. And electrical, I guess, maybe mm-hmm. it's not all that, is it? <laughs> it doesn't sound that good. And it's a I think corny, a lot of times corny tone. Really, uh, for no good reason. Other kind of like this show. <laughs> a lot other, of time spent for no good reason. Other his good reason was to use it on this show. So now yes. the listeners have another variation of the typewriter. Yeah, we'll keep them coming. Which was sent to us. I'm by. working on a harmonica version. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're doing it on uh, on the harmonica. <laughs> Just to get crazy. <laughs> But right, Jason let's... Marshall sent that. I'm going to go ahead and read his letter first. Okay, go ahead. And in addition to saying, hey, a computer-controlled typewriter, using, uh, given your collective love for the letters theme, yes. I thought I'd send this to you. Thank you for the effort you put into the podcast. I've been a listener from the beginning, though I have yet to play an actual ASL game. Oh, wow. Now, that is the best compliment ever. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know. That's like somebody saying, I, I have bought all your cigarettes, but I've never, I don't smoke. <laughs> It's kind of like that. <laughs> and he says, I love your humor and banter. Wow. He says, I love the banter. Now, let's all make a mental note of this, folks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> for a later letter. And I am also a fan of the box art review. Uh, Jeff. You know, ka-ching. you're starting to win me over with that. Yeah. I think it, maybe it's something we should do again sometime. He says, keep up the good work, and I may someday get around to actually playing. Thank you, Jason. Jason. That Jason, we're, I'm wondering what you do play, or if you even play oh. anything. Maybe you're just like a armchair general. 
general. Armchair wargamer. Or whatever. Yeah. Maybe he got his ring finger caught in the <laughs> furniture and can't play games, <laughs> certain games. He wears rings on all his fingers and can't play games. Well, it could be. Okay, do you have a letter for me? I have a letter from Jim Burris. I thought I do. Oh, yes. I yeah, I do. Perhaps. Yeah. Oh, no, you want to talk about uh, Dan Dolan. What's that over there, Jeff? That big oh, roll. Jeez. That doesn't... Well, yes, I guess that came as a letter, didn't it? In a big tube. Dan was Dan Dolan, who we did an interview with. I don't know. It's been about a year, I guess. Uh, very kind in sending us a map and a bunch of scenarios and a campaign game for a project that he's working on, which is the takes place in the Denant. Are we saying Denant? Are we saying Denant? Denant. Denant is the French version, I think. Yes. Uh, in Belgium, 1940, I think it's the beginning of the war, 1940, something like that. There's a bunch of scenarios. There's a campaign game and a gigantic map. Yep, and we've talked about that on the year with Dan. Yeah. And we have now have, we, we now own. He sent us the map, which is, map, which is so cool. And I've got to print out all the scenarios and the campaign game. And it's a great quality map. Yo, it's a beautiful quality map. And, you know, if you've been on Game Squad or the Facebook group, you've probably seen some pictures of this. So we won't, I don't know, we may. Yeah, probably won't put it up. Yeah. Um, but it's easy to see. It's, it's a very... Uh, Impressive project. A lot of interesting new terrain things coming along on there. Some blown up bridges. There's some use of ferries to get, I know, armor fighting vehicles. At least there's some ferries to get across. 50 pages of rules in the campaign game. I haven't printed it out yet, but I probably will tomorrow when I'm at a client. Oh, good idea. Yeah. I don't like to use my own paper. Because <laughs> the campaign game rules, I think, are in color. Are they? And I don't print in color. I don't believe in color. I love color because I'm an artist. There are two types of fairies, 8-ton and 16-ton. Uh, oh, oh, dryads Yes. and brownies. Yes, that's right. Very good. You can see where you have come Sliffs. from, your background. Sliffs. But no matter what kind of fairy it is, it's legal to be married. <laughs> uh, whoops. can't say that. I can't say that on the air? No. We're politically correct. We are. I, we love fairies. Um, anyway, a lot, lot of great stuff, and we thank Dan very much for that. And I hope we can get to, hope, and we might actually get Hopefully to playtesting play some of this a little bit. Yeah. Excellent. Speaking of playtesting, yes. I have a letter. Yes. You, you, yes, you do. That I can't find now. From Jim Burris. Jim Burris from St. Louis. And we have been playtesting a little bit for Jim. We're yes, going to talk have. about some really of his fun. scenarios in what we've been playing lately. Yeah. And you and I recorded an after-action report, remember, at my Yes, house? we did. Let's throw that on this episode, okay. too. Then we get to go home earlier tonight. Yes. <laughs> Sweet. And Jim is saying, first, I appreciate your efforts. I would like to ask that you mention the 2015 St. Louis ASL Tournament. So once again, folks, this is your, getting to be your last chances to sign up July 24th to July 26th. The special room rates end July 9th, which probably is going to be real close to this post date. You may have a week after you hear this to get that done. And that great historic magazine that we're going to be um, talking about in a little bit here. And he also says uh, he likes a sleaze move. Would you like to hear it? I would. It only works when you can 
hip, a squad equivalent. A squad equivalent is defined as a squad, two half squads, two crews, or a crew and a half squad, and up to four single-man counters. Okay. Now, he, he's correct. Yeah, that that's is true. The, I yeah. have never, ever thought of this. I like to hip all my leaders up to four separately from the hip squad. The leaders can have a light anti-tank weapon in a strategic location. I don't even want to read this on the air because I don't want people to start using this technique. Well, nobody listens to this show. It's safe. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. I don't even want you to know. Oh, well, <laughs> I have a short-term memory problem, you may, you may recall. <laughs> the only thing I remember is that I have a short-term memory problem. <laughs> so they could be in an upper building level denying control to an opponent or limit your opponent's intel. This actually worked well for me when my opponent thought he had found all my hip units. When he found the squad and he tried to move his panthers through empty brush X's, only to find the brush contained three leaders, hip, all three carrying bazookas. Hmm. I have never, ever heard of this concept. And I, I, I wasn't even paying attention. Oh. <laughs> I was, <laughs> I just got, got a text. I got a text from a client that's having oh, a technical ign- problem. Ignore it for half an hour. Half yeah. an hour. Give me half I'm an trying, hour. I'm trying. We'll do a whole show here. Yeah. We'll kick it out. Um. He hid in an initial place his leaders because, by definition, right, because you can, they count as like a half squad, right, up to four, yeah, yeah. So, so boom, they're all hidden with bazookas. And then what? The dude. Well, but they're the dude, all they're the dude all finds, in the same spot. What but if you don't, if your opponent doesn't know, no, no, they're all in different places in the brush, waiting to shoot tanks with an anti-tank weapon. Oh, oh, they don't need to be in the same location. Oh no, all over the board. Oh. Yes, this is, I mean, this is mind-blowing. Man. Wow, I wish it was something I could remember. Well, of course, you need your leaders to rally, too, which are very, very critical. Yeah. So if you're, if you're heavy in leaders, so who, who are you no. going to be? Americans? And often I can take Lousy a leader, stick lots. them on the left flank in the middle, back a row or two, right? And one on the right flank, back a little bit. Yeah. And then just channel all the routers to those two guys. Yeah. And you, maybe you have one or two more to free up to, to hip them somewhere. I can't believe that. I mean, I've never read that in an ASL journal, annual. Never saw it in a tournament play. It's the St. Louis. May, I don't yeah, know. Those it's, guys says in St. Louis are move. very sleazy. So let's see. They're yeah. very sleazy. Man, that was a great one. Great one, Jim. Do you and want Saint, from Chris Dory? I hear St. Louis is a great town to go to. Oh, so, it is. Uh, if you're if you are wanting to go to an ASL tournament, want to get out of town, tell your wife it's a business trip. Go to St. Louis. I hear it's great. Uh, one from Chris Dory, our friend over at Battle School. Hey, guys. Helen and I had a good chuckle listening to the Battle Dice banter around the 45 to 50 minute mark of episode 140. By the way, I routinely ask her to send me a text, sit rep, or situation report whenever she has been MIA for more than a few hours. Well, that's nice. They stay in touch. FYI, the Elite Canadian Scenario Pack, Jim McLeod's designs you mentioned, was published by the Winnipeg ASL Club in 2012. Battle School is the main direct, uh, distributor of the pack. Maybe you bought it at Aslock. No, we didn't buy it. Do, oh, I thought someone sent it to somebody, us for Somebody free. sent it to us, yeah. Remember, folks, send us your ASL product for review on the show. Yeah. And we will like you. George Kellen had a hand in playtesting some of the designs. 
In fact, at one point, Lone Canuck released earlier versions of six of these scenarios in the Canadian War Pack 1. A couple of points regarding the battle dice. The 12.5 millimeter white die. I love the battle die. You do. With the white lion on it is actually a Norwegian die. Yeah, sorry, I called it Finnish. Oh, okay. Because it has the lion thing and black on it. Yeah, and there's a lot of lions in Finland, I guess. (laughs) There's a lot of lion symbols in medieval Ah. European stuff. I wonder how that happened. Yeah, why are they so... Are there lions in uh, Europe? No, but there are some in in the Middle East, I was right. Well, I assume so, yeah. All the movies I watch, they're in Africa. You always got lying. Yeah. yeah. You look at this. We were eating at uh, Olive Garden today. My mom says, I never noticed there's little lion heads in the um, architecture here inside the restaurant. I said, yeah, the lions, that's very common in Rome, ancient Rome and stuff in Italy. And then I remember the Bible, like Samson, and, and there's a lion. I'm like, what? I didn't know there were lions there. There were. Yeah, well, they, well, they were in northern Africa. So there's was a li- lion. I don't know. Yeah, I guess part of that, right? Libyan stuff. That's the same continent. It's, yeah, was Samson a Libyan? I guess I just imagine <laughs> lions hanging out in the grassland. Yes, not in any kind of deserty type kind terrain. Of, yeah. Well, we don't know much. Well, I don't know <laughs> much. So he goes on to but say, but I do know this. Yes, I'm Dave, and I'm Jeff. See, I know that much. Yeah. Uh, compare, for example, these scenario cards in Hakapale with, say, DB3. The Norwegian and Finnish lions are quite different. The one, Finnish lion is... One's got a sword. Somebody's, go on, sorry. Uh, maybe. The Finnish lion is so detailed that we used only an, an enlarged portion of the lion for the 16 millimeter blue dye. Okay. With the somi on it. Yes, he did, yes. Yeah. I have that now. I bought those. The Avanti on the white 16-millimeter Italian die translates as onward. I'll leave it up to you to decide where this is meant to, whether this is meant to mean onward (laughs) to victory or onward to the Trattoria. Do you know what that means? I don't. The Trattoria? Yeah. I think it's a restaurant. Oh, okay. (laughs) The faces on the black die, or does he say F-A- Fascis, the fascis. That's the symbol of the bundle of sticks. Feces. What? The manure. No, wait. That's a feces. Fascis. Yes, it's a bundle of sticks, and it's got the axe head so much from you. on it. And well, if you, you know, I tell you, we should do a history podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I learned all is. about you know, the, the uh, Italian symbol. Camera Obscura, or whatever it was called last episode. Yes. Though I didn't learn so much that I remember what it was called. I didn't remember us talking about it. Not camera obscura, but the the, <laughs> okay. the light versus dark tone. Chiaroscuro. Chiaros- there we go. But I can also teach you about the camera obscura. Yes, yes, I'm sure you can. And I could teach you something because I remember it from a Night Gallery episode. Oh, yeah. With um, Burgess Meredith. Oh. Camera obscura. But anyway, <clears throat> we digress ad nauseum as usual. Uh so what's it? The fascias? The fascies. The fascies on the black die double as an I to read Italia. Yes. As in onward Italy. Okay. Market research led us to believe that the more confusing the design on the <laughs> on the one spot was, the more likely that the opposing player would miss his 
Sniper activation number. <laughs> He's joking. I don't know. I like it. Uh, it's confusing me. The idea for the wound severity die came from, from Mark Mike Peebles of Ohio. Thanks, Mike I added Peebles. The, I added the sniper effects elements after receiving numerous requests for a 16mm sniper die. In retrospect, the two functions work well together, not least because if the leader is wounded by a sniper, one can use the same die to determine the severity of his wound. Yep, and that's what we talked about yeah. on a previous I, show there. Yeah, I find that this die gets a lot of use when playing the Japanese. Thanks for that clarification. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the Finnish lion versus whatever else he was talking about, one did have a sword because Dave and I were doing a scenario from Bacapala, and I was like, oh, here's this dice I told you I had, and... He looks, oh, it's the finish time. I'm like, actually, it's not because it doesn't, it has an axe instead of the sword or vice versa. And he should know better. <laughs> Shouldn't he? Well, he's kind of like Finnish, who's a Finn who's never been to Finland, American Finn. Can we take a moment to thank Kirby? For a very generous donation. Oh, we can always take time to thank you. Thank really you. Really nice. We appreciate that. Your donation really helps us, and he puts, thanks, guys, you kept me going. That is a very well appreciated. But I don't Thank know. Thank you very much, if sir. If we're for still your... keeping him going, but we kept him going. <laughs> well, we better get going. Yeah. Um, I have one from Don Greenwood, the man who would not, who is huge in the ASL history. Huge. And would not be interviewed by us. No. So maybe I'll skip reading about his little stupid ward game. World board game crud. Yeah. If he won't be interviewed by us. I'm going to try him again. <laughs> I'm going to say, dude, it's That's time a, to put the past behind you. It's not like he said, like he Face sent us this email with some intention. It's like a mass market email. Yeah, it is. But, again, it is a world board game thing we do, ASL. and it. Well, so you're feeling well, blessed to have Well, a- I'll just say <laughs> August 3rd to 9th, okay. 2015, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Ah, Lancaster. Go play some board games, and I guess we should be grateful that Don is oh yeah, is very much so. Still running that thing, yeah. but he's, he's like embarrassed about like ASL or something. I don't get it. Well, we should. Um, I don't know where Lancaster is exactly. I do. Oh, do you? It's okay. like Amish area. Yeah. Oh, it is. Okay, I have relatives there on Laura's side. Okay. I have an uh, email here from Ben. Hello. I'm contacting you because I'm the developer of WW2T, a 2D computer game for PC, Linux, and Mac OS X, based on the ASL rule set. The game has been released just now and is currently in alpha version. It can be played in hot seat mode against another player in a, in a local area network or online via a web service. The rule set so far covers only infantry scenarios, but is permanently extended. It also features a simple map and scenario editor to create your own matches. All ASL rules are fully validated by the game engine, which should novice users give a head, which should give novice users a head start when approaching ASL for the first time, but also speed up playing experience uh, experienced players or veterans. It differs fundamentally from Vassal. In that it employs yeah, a rules engine. Then? It employs a rules engine that actually enforces the ASL rule set. Okay, so I guess Vassal doesn't really enforce the rules. It no. allows you to do illegal moves. You can do whatever you want, really, in Vassal. Kind of. Yeah. 
Uh, it would be great if you could have a look at it and let me know what you think. Also, of course, I would be excited to see my site game featured on your website or blog or otherwise in case you like what you see. And then he gives us a link, which we shall post. And by the way, for the YouTube videos you did about ASL and with the other ASL players, they are refreshing. Oh, he likes those. Boy, we haven't done one of those for since the 100th episode, I think, right? Um, Video? True, but at least they are refreshing. That's yeah. nice. We should do more for sure. Yeah. We want to refresh people. But this is interesting. You know, the fact that he's written the ASL rules into a into an actual video game, I mean, that's... That's awe-inspiring. Yes, indeed. Ah, uh, Thanks, Ben. We'll take a look at that. I haven't had a chance to look at it, but I will take a look at it. Yep, and we'll put a link up to it, too, yeah. folks. I mean, what the heck? Yeah, we, we won't be able to say great or not great, but we'll say, here you are, folks. Take a look, and it is ASL or it's World War II stuff. So, hey, I got one from Matthias Elfstrom. Oh, Matthias, our old buddy. Listening to your last episode. It's the first time I noticed you're completely wrong. Oh, then he hasn't been paying attention. Yeah, he hasn't, because we, we're completely wrong right from the... As soon as we turn the mics on. Kelly's Heroes is not only the best World War II movie, but in fact, one of the best movies ever in any genre. Wow. And now, he's a European, so they have better taste than Americans. Yes, yes, they I do. could list a lot of arguments to support this, but I've attached a scenario I've created that I think will bring my point across. We are going to... We have permission to post this on the uh, podcast, Jeff. Or link it. It's a PDF. Okay. I can do that. All I know right. how to do PDFs, right? Yeah. I did them all for my ASL Passel newsletter. You did it so right? well. Effortless. I'll try and figure it out without bothering you. So. Well, um, I think we you, can agree to I, disagree. I, well, I told him I liked it. And he goes, well, Dave, yeah. you could have been more emphatic about your like for the yeah. movie. But if you recall, I said, yeah, I like it. And I recommend it to anybody. You like it. And, and, and on the other hand, you had... No way to combat what I said. You had no rebuttal. My opinion that it was a very bad movie. I think it's a bad movie. I just went easy on you. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a bad movie. Why are these guys stealing gold? Greed? Yeah. Where'd the gold come from? Probably the confiscated, stolen. illegal, stolen oh. gold. Shouldn't it go back to people you, you, that... Jeff, it's a, it's a musical comedy. It's a musical. I remember it had this opening <laughs> it song. Did, it did have that horrible song, which somebody defended in a letter saying that was a great song. Yes. Now, I, I didn't highlight that. I guess that was a comment on the website. Yeah. We don't usually read comments, but yes, someone had said that. Somebody thinks it's a great song. I just thought, just all in all, bad movie. Lots of guys get shot so that these American guys can go steal this gold, illegally captured gold. And take off with it. What a great film, man. Yeah. <laughs> Always with them negative waves. <laughs> Can't help it. We'll find a good movie. Someday we'll watch a movie that I really like. And I'd like to advertise the Alpenfestung. Oh, Alpenfestung. Okay. When is that coming? Two full playing days for the first time because a lot of people took a lot of time long trips to attend this because yeah um well it's where's the sin again it's uh it's in alpen sweden no way okay <laughs> never mind switzerland. switzerland yeah um that people didn't like it being a day so it's two full days he's he's asking for you to vote 
Friday, August 14th to Sunday, August 16th, or Friday, September 18th to the 20th. 20th. I'll try and put a link in, link in there for Mark. And he also lists some venues they could use, and they're just gorgeous. Remember these kind of Oh, yeah. European I mean, gaming in Europe is so yeah, much better than here. On. So anyway, if you're going to go, vote for the date. All right. And, Jeff, you have the last. I mean, I like the ASL Open, but the Holiday Inn um, in Oak Brook Terrace, is, it, it's just not very romantic. Devin writes, are you guys kidding me? The theme song to Kelly's Heroes is the best. That song defines the movie. And the Tigers are remodeled T-34-85s provided by the Yugoslavian Army, where the movie was filmed. At the time, Spain actually had a couple of operating tigers, but Franco refused their use in the movie. Franco, was that Franco-American? The spaghetti guy? <laughs> Not sure. Yeah, there were a number of movies filmed in Yugoslavia. I think The Dirty Dozen was filmed in Yugoslavia as well. Was it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. We haven't reviewed that yet. No, that we could do that one. Okay. There's a, obviously a lot of good movies, but I think we should do like The Dirty Dozen, Bridge on the River Kwai. Yeah, those classics from yeah. when we were younger because our yeah. audience is a little older. Yeah. Great Escape. Would be fun. I think we did that one. Oh yeah, we did. Or did Adam and I just watch it? Let's just redo. Let's redo it. Nobody pays attention. Nobody will care. Well, thanks everybody for your letters. We appreciate hearing from you. Now there was a comment that. Do you remember the comment about banter, Jeff? Oh, that we were too much banter. Yes. Yeah. About every five years we get one of these negative reviews. But but we took it to heart, didn't we? Um. Yeah. You you came over. In tears. Oh, I don't know. (laughs) When you were a little down. I don't know. That show, last show wasn't any good. <laughs> well, yes, it was, and your wife loved it. I thought it was a stinker, honestly. <laughs> but you, you were not so harsh. It's I, It was good. It was a good show. We got a lot of good comments about it. But a listener recommended, if you want to do another podcast, just take all your banter, kick it out of the <laughs> show, move it into this new podcast. Yeah. A little harsh, but he also said, uh, all due respect, and I really... You know, appreciate what you do. So, yeah. you, thank you. I'm, I'm sorry we're not we're too lazy to look up the comment because <laughs> yeah. I didn't star it. But we thought we'd address it again. And what's the answer, Jeff? Um, we'll think about it <laughs> with our limited with our limited cognitive capacity. We will carefully think about it and consider it, then throw it away. Maybe, but we'll. Yeah. But thank you. I'm going to bet next show there's going to be very little banter. Yeah, probably so. Let's just say that. Let's let's make that our goal, yeah. our pledge. We pledge the next show to the fact that there will be less banter. Less banter. Yeah. All right. All right. But in the meantime, more it's banter. Time for... let's, let's bring out more banter. Hey, what did you do last summer, Jeff? Bantered. Oh, good. What have you been playing lately? What have you been playing lately? Hey. So we were playing these uh, St. Louis. Yeah, playtest for Jim play Burris in this magazine we've been talking about so yeah. much. And partly because Jim's local, so we, we see him a lot in every open, and, and he stays in touch with us. And, yes. And uh, he's a great guy. He's very, very knowledgeable about the rules, as you heard from that Sleaze movie mentioned earlier. And St. Louis 3, it's all I can tell you. It has no title yet. It's a playtest. I'm imagining it's going to be close to this in its final version. We played this one, and uh, the Commonwealth win at the end of – they control five hut hexes. The British set up in this interior hex area a little village 
um, boards uh, half of 37, half of 62. And there's 13 British squads, two mediums, four lights, and a mortar, and a bunch of leaders. And the Japanese come on, they're attacking. And if I remember correctly, Jeff, you came on with these Japanese, and they have like, a, it's a lot of units, but it's only five turns. It's 16, uh, 18 squads, and then six reinforcement squads. So it's it's a lot to move around. Big action in a small amount of time, five turns. And you fell a turn short in taking those last buildings of these huts. Yes, I did. And then we flipped that one over, and uh, I was coming in to take the the um, buildings and managed to get that last one at the end. So then these are all happening in Burma, 1942. That was a great scenario. And then we played uh, STL-7, again, with no title. Japanese against the British, and this one was fun. It used uh, board 42 and board 5, and then several overlays of railroad. There was a, so there's a railroad track running all the way across board 5 and then taking a kind of a dog leg to the east off the edge yeah. of board 42. And the objective here was for the Japanese to hold uh, several key points along the railroad, and the, the British needed to move in. And capture those points. There was a, a roadblock, an infantry gun, and um, then there were some interesting rubble counters placed here and there. Yeah, remember that were sort of uh, uh, random, not <clears throat> randomly placed, but you know you rolled to place them so they could be in different spots, uh, or maybe you just placed them. I think just placed yeah, adjacent just to placed the railroad or something. That right? We were wondering yeah. if it was a blockage or something on the railroad, yeah, right? And the gun had to face. Uh, had to be within line of sight of the roadblock on the railroad, right, right or whatever that was. Yeah, that's right. And so you kind of knew it had to be in this area, but um, not exactly where. So that was really an interesting setup. Yeah, and it was fun. It was kind of a uh, kind of a big scenario, you know, big layout. So the British needed yeah, bigger to move, board quickly, to move yeah, quickly, and then was stacking in groups, running with those leaders. In. Yeah, and uh, which gave the Japanese a little time. A little bit of time to kind of uh, rearrange and uh, set themselves up a little better after the British came on, but I lost that one as well. And we played that one once. Just once, And then yeah. Jim said, that's done. Yeah. Don't play it again. Yeah. He thought he had it fixed. Though I would so. play it again. And scenario four we did, which was the Commonwealth win if they exit the 18 points. Yeah, you had tried to go one way, got broke, busted up a lot, and oh, that's right. Yeah, I found I, I went through that like dense woods area, and like just snuck a path right through there. And the yeah. Japanese are running to cut him off as he's going off. And I like those kind of games with the exiting points. A lot of people don't. And Jim's response was, "Yeah, he wasn't sure. You know, the enemy uh, has to set up with enough coverage in all four areas, and then he has to move." And so he didn't think there was good a game. And I said, "No, I like having a force that has to." Pick a spot, try and hit it hard, and get off. Right. Fast. And you, you had to record your the S side you were going to exit on at the beginning of the scenario. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, I and believe then, so. And then go for that. So you can't change your mind and then switch around to something else. Yeah, and then in the STL-3 that I already talked about, one of the cool things was these reinforcements of the Japanese trying to take that village. They uh, can enter from different areas on different turns. So that gives it the variety. Yeah. You know, variety for a lot of replay value. Yeah. So all in all, 
fun scenarios. And uh, what else? Have you been playing anything else? I do. I, I played um, two more, Arctic Crossroads. Oh, two more. It's a Hakapale. Ah, yes. And what's ironic is on the back of my notes for Terrain Time, I wrote them on the original Hakapale. <laughs> oh, look at that. Print yeah. out scenario, and you can compare it and see it's not much different. So when Dave and I play tested it, that final version stayed into the final copy, and we are replaying them all again. And we love this one. Um, the fins set up. And by the way, the fins do have a sword going across oh, yes, the lion, not yeah. an axe. Yep. And the fins set up, and they have these two guns, three guns, but two of the guns are victory point things. So you want to protect those, whether to put them together or not. Now, Dave and I, I believe, talked about this one and rec- recorded. You did a little uh, yep. so a- we'll, after we'll, action report type thing? Yep, so we'll hold yeah. that for next time. Okay. And I did also play Into the Rubble scenario with ah, Tom Barcolo. Okay. You remember, I was trying to get through all those way back when we were playing the um, historical big yeah. map game. Yeah. Barricades and all. And uh, Factory and Flicks. And uh, all I know is the Republicans won against Tom. These games are larger games with a lot of figures, a lot of units, and um, the boards are just fantastic with that into the rubble. So, and I, and sorry, I can't remember more about that. It was actually a while ago, and I threw it into the pile uh-huh. and played a lot of ASL since. Good. Well, I finally got around to starting in on the Crucible of Steel scenario pack and map pack and whole pack from Bounding Fire Productions, which I've had for about a year, maybe longer. I don't know. It's probably longer than that. Finally got around to playing some of it, and I I plan to kind of work through the whole thing if I can. Just picked a small scenario for Mike Lemke and I to play, and I started with Trenches in Flames. And all these scenarios take place in and around the Battle of for Kursk. So that's around July to August of 1943 in eastern Russia. And so this is all going to be the Russians against the Germans. This particular one, nice, easy to get started with. So there are a few Kursk-related rules, like there's a sparse orchard rule and then some slopes involved, which are just small things, but add a little bit of extra flavor. Yeah. And this uses a couple of the bounding fire boards, boards uh, N and L. And uh, for interesting things, they had a few other things unique to Crucible of Steel, like the uh, Russian has an AT, an anti-tank squad, which is particularly effective. In oh, anti-tank squad, use, like yes. a little extra maybe mines or something to toss at the tanks. Yes, something? he can use his uh, ATMMs or a uh, can be equipped with a ATR yeah. rifle. And then there's, uh, they've got, the Russians also have, I love this, they have a 122-millimeter artillery piece. Oh, yeah. Which I put up on a hill (laughs) on the western edge, and then, or is it the eastern? Uh, Yeah, there's a hill on the east, so I put that up there. And then I put the other two artillery uh, AT pieces on the other hill, and to very great effect, I tell you, that 122 is nice. When it hits, when it, it hits, does damage. It does damage. It's, you, it's not like some sure. forty-five L gun no. that blows up and no one gets hurt. No, you don't really even need to look up anything. You just turn the <laughs> thing over it. and roll for crew survival. <laughs> uh, and then there's also a dug-in uh, Valentine with a forty L on it. So kind of cool. Some wire as well, and a couple of 
uh, well, three pillboxes. So the Russians are really dug in, as they were in getting ready for Kursk. They really got themselves dug in. But the Germans are, were no slouches. They've got uh, six, seven tanks to come on. And what I did was, as the Russians, I placed just a couple of half squads up front on the mm-hmm. forward part of the line, line just to see... Concealed or Yes, concealed. Or? No, concealed and in trenches. Uh, even though Mike set up on board... Uh, the, one of the SSRs was the Russians set up as if the Germans enter from offboard. So oh, you get to be concealed. Not everybody gets to be concealed. I like that. I would do more of that. Yeah, it was kind of cool. Fog stuff, yeah. So uh, early on, he didn't know what I had in there, but I had a, a trench with a half squad in it, and he wasted, no, I shouldn't say wasted, but he spent a whole turn trying to get them out of there. He had two different tanks fire on, on one of them, broke the main armament on one of his tanks, the other one, it was ineffectual, but he did move in a squad for close combat and got tied up in there. So, whole turn gone. And because there's only five and a half turns in this scenario, made it pretty effective just having those up there. So, we're only in about uh, two turns on this. I'll be interested to see how it turns out. And I just want to say I love the the, the way the design is on all of these BFP and LFT. In fact, when I saw you had this scenario car over there i looked and said oh that's an lft product you know with the the color and everything yeah it's very high quality yeah i love this the whole design and use of color on these so fantastic well that's all i've been playing lately you got anything else no no that's it all right okay boys and girls it's terrain time I have a hankering to talk about rules, Dave. Have you got any rules to talk about? Yeah, something substantive. Something big in the rule book that takes up a whole lot of pages, so it's going to be a two-parter. Oh, okay. We can handle it. Actually, I think it's it's finishing uh, one we did before, which was streams and water obstacles. Yes, we did. And the next section of rules is we have been going straight through them in order, kids. So if you want to read ahead. Feel free. <laughs> um, we believe in freedom. Ice. Ice? Really? Valley, which is a really short rule section, valleys. Mm-hmm. And buildings. That's the long one. Yeah. So I'd like to jump in with water obstacle rules that I couldn't quite remember if we covered or not. Okay. And here we go. So have you heard these before? I'll get the bell ready. Hear it again. What are the four types of water obstacles, Jeff? Streams, rivers, <laughs> ponds. Rivers, ponds. These obstacles are things you cannot pass oh, on foot. Okay. On foot. Okay. So streams you can cross on foot. Okay. Rivers, ponds, ocean. Ocean. Um. Yeah, it starts with a C. It's man-made. It is in a lot of scenarios. Rhymes with can, except it ends in A-L. Canals. Canals. But there are wow. canals in in several games. I remember some, the yeah, very I've first seen, Beyond Valor. I've, I've seen some, some canals, canals yeah. And river, pond, and then it's very fascinating. They put lake slash ocean yeah. in the same. I guess they're the same type. Makes sense. But how can you put two types in one? Anyway, fording. I think we covered some of those rules and then didn't get Fording, when you're actually fording, it can only be done by infantry and cavalry. Mm-hmm. 
if it's not a frigid water obstacle and it can only be forded if there's a you know a ford a raised area through the oh. river which then would not make it a obstacle you can't which would enter. be defined by ssr probably right oh correct yeah. now if you're going to be going through this ford on this ford may you push a motorcycle or a gun i'm gonna say no no you are correct yeah and what would the movement factor cost be? Wow, for fording. Um, three. Did you ring the bell? What is three? No. Oh, really? More than that. More than that. Four? And it could even be more than that because oh. it starts with an A, ends in LL. All. All of your movement factor <laughs> <laughs> costs. <laughs> Really? All of your movement? To go through to a go one, 40. To go one hex. Yeah. Okay. It's kind of like when you see the guys walking and they're carrying their rifles over their heads. Yeah. And they're just, you know, the water's up to their armpits. Yeah. They're, so, they're not too effective yeah. that way. Is it hazardous movement? I think so. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. Is it considered fun to ford a river in real life? No. I say no fun because you get water in your shoes. Yeah, it's correct. And they're squishy and uncomfortable. And sometimes there's like water snakes. Yeah. And they oh, get in yeah. there. They get in. If you're wearing pants, yeah. they can get That's why I take my pants off before I ford. Carry them over my head. <laughs> May you move upstream when you're fording. Is there a... a or, Against the current. I can't believe how little I know. About Against it. the current. Yeah, well, this is really obscure. Yeah, no. Actually, usually, unless the current going against you is considered strong. Yep, heavy. Heavy. Oh. Yep, that is correct. Wow. Can you leave a water obstacle then? Let's say there's this river and it has a ford through it yeah. and you're, yeah. you're walking yeah. with your arms up. Yeah. Can yeah. you leave it during the advance phase? Sure. Yes, you can. Yeah, you want to get out of there. Get out of there. May you enter it during the advance phase? Sure. No, I'm sorry. Why not? Did you ring the bell anyway? Well, that's why you were wrong. You didn't ring the bell. Wow. But no. why? When you suppose that is, you cannot enter. So they, you're they, saying you can't enter a, a stream at a fording point during advance phase. Yes. And I think the logic, let's, and we've seen this before. Where there's terrain where you can exit, but you cannot enter. Because they, yeah, they right. remember that it's like the entrance is a lot of points. Right. And they don't want you to kind of cheat your way out of paying all that movement oh, point okay. cost by just advancing in in the advance phase. Hmm. Okay. But exiting, you're not really um, going into the obstacle for the, I think it's bamboo and junk like that. Okay. Well, I, uh, okay. Well, right? this makes sense. Then you move into it because when you move into it, then you can be defensive fired upon. Oh, yeah, and there's a lot of points. But if you're just advancing, then right, that would you be can't cheating. be fired on. Yeah. And you're not paying that huge movement cost. Yeah, you know, right. The advance is always like a free hex. Yeah, right. Okay. All right, well, I, okay. Now. I'm not going to argue with Perry on that one. <laughs> mortars, I pizza with him next week. Mortars, medium machine guns, heavy machine guns, 
must be dismantled. Yeah. And when you're firing, um, all inherent firepower is treated as area fire out of a yeah. Ford. I guess you're just holding but you can shoot, rifle huh? up in the air. Oh, okay. Yeah, you actually can shoot. Okay. Yeah. At half firepower. Yeah. If you're broken in a water obstacle, may you low crawl to escape. <laughs> I'm going to say no. You can Australian crawl to the to the bank. <laughs> What's the Australian crawl? That's this. It's swimming the like swim. this. Is it a swim move? Yeah. Like the breaststroke? You can yeah, breaststroke a bit like out. the breaststroke, yeah. I prefer the breaststroke. Uh, I would say no low crawl. You are cr- yeah. correct. Um, must you route or can you just hang out in the water? Uh, like, I'm not going to route. I'm no, just going to sit here broken. No, no. I think you've got to route. You have to route. Yeah. Even if you're disrupted, which normally right means you go to that lowest capability level. Yeah, right. You cannot route. Okay. You still have to route. Yeah. Yes, you do. And then rule 21 point. So that's 40. 40. Mm-hmm. Basically, area fire, got to route out, can't, can't crawl. Can't crawl. <laughs> Under the surface of the water, try not to be shot at. 21.6, ice. Ice is treated as what other terrain type? Open ground. You are correct. If you <laughs> roll an original high explosives die roll and get a KIA on the IFT... Guess what happens to the ice? The ice breaks. And what happens to Down things? you go. <laughs> and the original rule stated you placed a coin on that river hex. Really? We're broke. Yes, it's in the rules. What kind of coin? It doesn't specify. Oh, okay. I prefer a dime because it's kind of icy color rather than yeah. a penny, which is more bronzy. Yeah. Although some people like the penny because the darker color looks like it's more like a hole. That's true. Now, so that just indicates that that's a place where the ice broke. Yes. Now, yeah. that rule was changed in the new edition of the rules because it now says you can place a coin or a counter from which game that came out. This will really, I would never know this. Um, hmm. Clue? <laughs> no. Mousetrap? No. No. Yeah. I think everybody could hear you say mousetrap. I like it when Dave's whispering when Jeff's, to me. When Jeff's sump pump broke, <laughs> we found yeah. this weird triangle. There's a plastic holes triangle in, it, like in there. Swiss cheese. Yeah, and it was labeled cheese, but it was the color. It's in my sump pump. Color, my sump hole. The plastic blue. Color like blue. where did that come from? I said, I don't know, Jeff. I think this is a piece from a mousetrap game. I mean, I was hoping if if anything's going to show up in the sump, I would hope it'd be like a, dead a mouse. diamond. Well, no, a diamond ring, <laughs> if you please, a big one. Yeah, I guess that's what I would rather wish for rather than rather a dead than mouse. Plastic cheese. So, which game? Well, I have no idea. Armies of Oblivion came out with ice. Oh, cla- it did. Collapsed ice or ice oh, collapsed ice? counters, which oh. I don't think I've ever used since the game came out. But I do recall using coins. Well, that's too bad because I was thinking if we really want to make some money, we could we could publish counters some ice claims. We should jump on that before Chris Dory does and makes all the big money. <laughs> now, if you had a vehicle greater than or equal to five tons, yeah, go on that ice. Now, I'm not going to do that. What? Of course you're not. Because no. what might happen to that no way. ice? It might collapse. Yeah. As per the bridge rules, 
Yep. Oh, the bridge rules too. Do you remember that in the no, bridge rules? No, I actually don't. So you you need to pay attention to the weight of the vehicle. Yes, you do. Oh, okay. Do I ever do that one? Yeah. <laughs> no, well, I don't know. Does it happen very often though? I'm crossing a bridge, any kind of bridge, or just those. I don't remember. Bridges? No, it, I did not look up the bridge rules. It yeah. just says okay. If you As put a the bridge vehicle rules. on the ice, go look up the bridge rules. Yeah. Okay. Ah, always a fun one. What fortifications can go on ice? Um, foxhole. <laughs> no, no, then you have to place a coin oh, on it. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> Trench? No. No, no more no, coins. No, no, no. Coins in a row. Let's see. What kind of fortification? Um, well, let me think. Let me think, Dave. Roadblock. You know, it's not listed, and I think it's only because there's no roads. Yeah. Okay. Because I thought too. Well, well heck, uh, I could set up a roadblock, a river block. Wires, correct. You yeah. Can string that wire right across yeah. there, and this one could go on it unhidden uh, or not dug into the ground like they usually are. Oh, well, a gun. Mines. Mines? You can put mines on ice? Visible. I'm trying to think of the word they use in the game. Um, known mines. Yeah. Yeah, that's what they use. Oh, on the ice. You oh, just set it down there. So yeah. when you're riding your tank, well, I wouldn't ride a tank. <laughs> yeah, when you're driving your that. Jeep, yeah. you can see the thing sitting there on the ice. Yeah. And we're just going I'm through there. I'm not going there. And that's it for ice. That's easy. And then I found this little rule 22. Comes after 21. <laughs> wow, valley. It's a great rule terrain the type because it's so low. How green was my valley? Hang your head over. I don't know that song. Hear the wind blow. What's wrong with my voice tonight? Mine too. It's trying out. Yeah. <clears throat> Maybe we need more Maker's Mark. Wasn't there a movie about dolls and valleys? Yeah, the Valley of the Dolls. Oh, yes, yeah, yes, <laughs> love it. Have you One, ever seen that? No, I haven't either. It was like always inappropriate. Yeah, it was titillating when I was little. Can I say? Can we say titillating no, on a no, show you, like this? No, you even though it has nothing to do with uh, lading. <laughs> valley. What color is it? What color is a, a green? Darker. How green, green is my valley? Darker. Darker. How dark green is my valley? So a valley is green. Darker green. Okay. And it's a what level? Uh, Minus one. Yep. And uh, the edges do form a hill crest line. Yes. And you treat it as it's open ground unless there's other terrain. And that's it. Well, that's very That's why I love that valley rule. Now it gets complicated. 23, rule 23, buildings. Okay. It's going to be huge. It's really long. (laughs) There are obstacles. Of course. Single-story building is at level one. So, in, in other words, uh, huts are not obstacles. I, I mean, are not buildings, um, probably, I right? I think because they we say... Can, we can shoot through them. Well, they say follow the building rules, except as here oh, modified, okay. yeah, in okay. which you can shoot through them. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Single-story building, it's at level one. Zero. One. Remember, zero is like ground level? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. So ground, so, yeah. first level, it's yeah. a single-story building. Yes. What if that single-story building is in a valley? What level would it be at? One. Uh, zero. Yes. And if it's on a hill? Two. Level two. That's all it's explaining there, that it's a level two 
obstruction of your view line of sight. Now, how can you tell if it's a first-level building quiz show? It's one hex. Correct. With what kind of a white mark in it? Just a regular white dot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> regular. And it does not have a white square. square. Yes. Yeah, if it had a white square, then it would be, that would indicate a stairwell. Yes. Which would indicate two stories. Actually, no. Oh. So, how do you define a two-story house? Well, multi-hex. Yes. And no stairwell. And no square. No, no, no square. Yeah. yeah. So, right. Which means yeah. each hex has a stairwell has an in it. Has stairwell. And it's a one-and-a-half level obstacle, which always confuses the heck out of me. And I've never, ever figured this out to my satisfaction. And it's too late to be going over this. I just don't think I can get it. Even now. It's it's been years. A one and a half level obstacle. I think yeah. you, you just treat it as a level two obstacle. Is it like a hedge? I, I don't even want to talk about it. It has a ground level. And you know, level. here's what I think we I think yeah. we should do a visual. The the, the listeners will love this. Okay, okay show me with your hands. Okay. That's yeah, a one I, level. Yeah. Uh huh. And, and then this what? one is like this. A got, half level. Got it? Okay. But if I'm firing from over here, see how my hand yeah. This is a two-level hill. Right. Okay. Now I'm firing. Watch the line of sight with my hand here. Yeah, but watch where I'm at. Oh. See that? Okay. See, it would still block yeah, line of sight. Exactly. I get it. Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> and now, a multi-story building. What does it look like on the board? Multi-story doesn't say. Okay, it's three-story. Well, it's gonna be. It's. Uh, <laughs> yes. It doesn't have to be multi-hex. Uh, well, technically, no. It just has to have a... Square in it. Printed square. So that's where you now get buildings. In the early days, there were no single buildings with a printed staircase. That came out later. Yeah. And so now they have, like, these tower buildings, right? Two, three levels. Yes. Yeah. And it's a 2.5, again, that half level. Thank you for explaining that to me. <laughs> um, obstacle. And it has a ground, first, and second level. Mm-hmm. And no other stairwells except... Except that one. Or and two, uh, if it's a big multi-hex building. Yeah. Okay. It could have multiple stair- stairways printed. They call it a printed stairwell, the big white square. But mm-hmm. if it's got a big white square, then it doesn't have inherent stairwells in the other... No. So watch for that, folks. As you're playing the game, you may have this big building, and uh, it's easy to start going up and down in all the hexes. Like I'm going up and down, all these staircases. No. You may have a big building that only has two stairwells in it. Right. So if you get up one and the enemy takes over both those stairwell hexes, you are stuck up there. Yeah. 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 And third level. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Is it shown on the board? No. It's uh, SSR. Yep, only by SSR. To say. Now, you actually, and I read this, was like, whoa. <laughs> you place a third level counter on it, the whole building, yeah. no matter how many hexes, to show this is a third level building. 
I don't remember ever doing that. I remember like trying to remember, was this the third level building or was this by special rule? Oh. Go ahead and put a counter it. on it, oh, okay. even though no one's on that level. Yeah. Like, you know, counter, level counter. And um, you put in the appropriate hex. So if a building, if the building art or special scenario rules don't specify where the stairs are, so they have this massive factory and it's all ground level on the printed board. Right. Then a special scenario rule may say hex H6 has a third level in it. Ah. So you can have a building with this large tower structure like a prison tower, yeah. guard tower sticking out of it. Or a movie theater. Larger than the neighboring, yes, parts. Yes. This is where the screen is. Yeah. In this part. So then you would mark those hexes with the third level counter to remember where that is. Okay. The stairs. How about that? Well, that's good. Now, there's a little thing called lumber yards. Do you remember what they look like on the board? Uh, lumber yards. They do. Little they, rec- they brown do. rectangles with slats on them. Yeah. Nice selection of two befores. And this is a nice little rule, too. It's treated like a wooden single story building, except in what cases? It's a tough quiz show. Ask me again. A lumberyard is treated as a wooden single-story building. Yeah. Except, how? How's it different? I don't know. I didn't. Yeah. I don't know. Routing, you don't route to a lumberyard. Okay, makes sense. Rally, you don't get a rally bonus. Hiding in the lumberyard. I guess you know and someone you can turn the corner and there's no doors to save you. Can you bypass a lumber yard? Yes. Ah. And it makes it a whole new game. <laughs> Am I wrong? It yeah. really does. Yes, it's... you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and the environmental conditions for kindling are different because it's open. Oh, yeah. The rain can go inside. Yeah. It, so. And may you fire a mortar from a wooden building single story? Can mortars can, fire you, from buildings? You, you have to say, Mother, may I? <laughs> or put it through the roof. Yeah. So, but you can fire it from a lumberyard? From a lumberyard, yeah. And overrun is different. Can Last. You, can like, you, overrun isn't complicated enough? Yeah, like with your tank. Not infantry, vehicle oh, overrun. Okay. Okay. Can your tank plow through a lumberyard yes. and overrun people? Yes. No. Yes. No. Yes, okay. yes, they can. No. Those are giant stacks of lumber. Oh. It's now, just like sticks. In fact, may a vehicle enter a lumberyard? <laughs> I, I could see this both ways. When I was I'm going to say no. No is correct. But can't you see it? You're like, but wait, don't they drive trucks through the lumberyard? Yeah. <laughs> Load them Forklifts. up. Forklifts. Yeah. So I get it, but I kind of don't yeah. get it. I guess we don't know enough about European lumberyards. <laughs> that would be right. And save, oh, save by, okay, but they can bypass it, yes, and you already asked about that. Okay. So, when you're talking about buildings, here it gets a little, um, it's easy. Uh, what does adjacent in all caps mean? By the legal rules, it means that a unit can, has to be able to Advance into yeah. it. Yeah, and advance into it is, is correct. So it you can So it'd be like same level. Yeah. Yes. Or up or down. Yes. Okay. That's what the capitals 
all capitals, letters, adjacent. Adjacent, okay. Yeah, I, I always forget that one. So you have those two conditions you just read. And if you don't have those conditions, there's no line of sight. So you can't be, you know, down the stairs and in the next room. Yeah. And still see straight up the stairs. Yeah. Uh, can you shoot through, like if there's a three-hex building, row house, mm-hmm. can you fire from the far left hex through the middle one into the end one? No. No. It blocks line of sight. But if it's an L-shaped building, can I fire from the one ah, into the other part of the into L the other that's not, through the not, open ground? Um, yeah. Yeah. It's like guys hanging out windows. Yeah. So try and think about windows and shooting from building hex to a building hex. But that might help you. They'll still get the... Uh, T-E-M. The T-E-M. Yes, Plus they will. two or three, depending yeah. if it's wooden or stone. Yeah, if I'm yeah. firing up uh, the like the staircase here to your fourth level of your house here, mm-hmm. can I fire up that staircase to the first level? Yes. To the second level? I don't know. Where it turns that corner and it goes up? No. 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 To the third level there where your, well, no. your grandma lives? No. No. To the fourth level? That's where the um, observatory is. Can I fire to that? Can I hit that observatory all, from all the way down here? No, the I hope not. No. And I've tried when you've yeah. been here. <laughs> I was wondering what those holes were in the stairwell. So earlier you mentioned TEM. What are the TE terrain effect modifiers of buildings? Plus the two, two kind, not huts. Two for wooden. Yep. Three for stone. Correct. And interesting rule: if you can't decide with your opponent if a building is wooden or or gray or or brown then you treat it as wooden. Really? It's in the rule book. And there was a board, I think it was four or seven or something, where you couldn't tell. And they actually published an errata or a clarification. And I wrote it in inside my box lid. These hexes on this board are, like, I even forget now, wooden or stone or something. Yeah. Because we couldn't tell. So what I like to do, talk about Dave Kleinschmidt's favorite sleeve, sleeves move. <laughs> yes. When we're playing a game and you're defending... Okay. And you set up in stone buildings. Yeah. I just look at them and say, well, those are wooden. Look, they're brown. I haven't done that to you yet, have I? No, you haven't. Because you're my friend. Yeah. But when I play in tournaments, every time, guys in a big gray building, I'm like, that looks brown to me. They're like, what? I'm like, yeah. No, no, it's gray. No, it's brown. We can't tell. Let's see if there's a rule on it. And then I turn. (sighs) I know. You don't oh, I do, do it, Dave. Oh, yeah, guys and then me. you go to church on Sundays? <laughs> How do. do you stand yourself? Because there's nothing about that in the rules, about church rules, but it's in the <laughs> squad leader rules. <laughs> so you go to 23, I just say, hey, let's look and see if there's a rule, pretending that I don't even know there's yeah. a rule. Oh, I'm just happy to look at 23.3. Oh, look. Whoa. Right there. If you can't decide. Like, well, let's call a judge over. I'm like, no, it's very clear in the rules. If the two players can't decide, it's treated as wooden. You only get a plus two. Whoa. I know I'm brutal. You are. I kind of admire that. Yeah. The building TEM do not count on tricky. Building traffic modifier pluses don't count on non-residual fire shots at bypassers. So, yeah, okay. So you're bypassing a stone building. Yeah. Um, normally, I think 
if I can see the guy, he doesn't get the building cover. Right. But he does. Remember, we covered that on an earlier show. Oh, yes. Okay. So the guy bypassing the around the back of the building gets yeah. the pluses. So I want to point that out to people. It's something okay. I forget a lot. So um, you fire into that, and maybe there's a, there's a four residual. Then a guy subsequently is bypassing that. Now that's it's a stone building. The residual fire. He gets counts. the three. Yep. On, yeah, but he still residual. he still gets the three. Yes. Okay. On the resid. Yeah. Yeah. I always think of that as open ground. Yeah. But okay. It's not. It's not. Okay. I think it's. Yeah. Okay. And getting near the end here, twenty three point three two indirect fire. So I lob a mortar shell in OBA. It's resolved with the same die, original die roll at each level. At each level, yeah, for one, with one die roll. Yeah, right. which is, seems crazy to me. Like you drop a bomb in and it doesn't just hit ground level. It hits all three levels. Okay. It's resolved for all three levels. And I guess we don't have a lot of times where guys are stacked on all three levels. but We don't. Or I forget this a lot. And now if it's an interior building hex, it can only affect the guys way up on the roof or the highest level. They call it um, interior buildings, right? Okay. And if I do fire mortar, or let's say OBA hits a building and you're on the bottom ground level, yeah. and there's two levels above you, so you're on ground and there's a first and second, mm-hmm. does that modify the effects roll? You're nodding your head yes. So it does. Okay. <laughs> By what factor? Oh, my God. Troops are at ground. There's a first level above and a second level above that. Two. Yeah. And if there's only a, fir- a le- first level, a one level above them? Nine. <laughs> one. One. Okay. So if you're at the second <laughs> level and there's a third level above you, that protects you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, each okay. level above. I see. I see. Adds a plus saying. one protection. Yeah. And lastly. I, you know, I don't think I've ever read that in the building rules. But we played it a lot. We yeah. were doing the British. Yeah, I guess. The British I at the, remember, we were totally losing as the British with all the yes. OBA. We kept adding a plus two to the results and a That's plus right. one because yeah. we were at ground level and all those big buildings and we still got wiped out. <laughs> and the movement factors to go into a building? Two. And to go up a level? One. Good, because a lot of people think it's two. Still movement yeah. in a building, but I guess it's easier to run up the stairs. You don't have to open doorways. Or I don't know. And what's the cost for a vehicle to come into the building? Ooh, um, I'm going to say half the movement points. That is correct. And it risks what problems happening to it or the building? Well, you risk um, um, collapsing the building. Yep. Rubbling the building. Rubbling the building. And you that, risk or falling into the cellar. cellar. That's it. Yep. And a bog. And a bog okay. check. Yeah. So the bog happens with a plus three if it's a wooden building or a plus four if it's stone. Okay. And the bog check. And unless you're bypassing, of course, none of this happens to you. And can a vehicle occupy an upper level in a building? No. No. And the seller rules, a fully tracked, closed-topped, buttoned-up, armor-fighting vehicle without riders. So, again, fully tracked. Yeah. Closed-topped. Yep. 
buttoned up. Everyone's hiding. Yep. Closing the lid. Sorry about that. Armor fighting vehicle, not a truck. Without riders. Can riders yeah. go in? No. No. May enter the building. Yes. So, okay. Um, Which is cool. Yeah. So you can't take your half track in, right? It says fully no. tracked. Yeah. And then you roll a die on the bog. Two die. Two dice on the bog check. And if you roll less than or equal to zero on the colored die, you fall into the cellar. And the last thing for today, Jeff, is for you and to I read. Yeah, what happens when you fall into the cellar? You become cellarated. I'm brought here. It is. Can you read that last paragraph for the show? Top left. Top left. A multi-level building contains another vertical location for each level of the building, each with its own normal stacking limits. Mm -hmm. Is that what you're talking Mm -mm. about? Mm -hmm. Oh. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh, there. If the AFE rolls a zero or less. Okay. If the AFE rolls less than or equal to zero on the colored die roll of the bog check die roll, the building hex has been rubbled. A neg one die roll modifier to the colored die roll of the bog check die roll applies if the building is wooden, a single story house, or the wooden or a single story house. Mm-hmm. Uh, only for purposes of determining rubble creation. Rubbling a single-story house has no effect upon the occupants of the building, but if a rubbled building has an upper level, 24.11-121 applies. Falling rubble rules? Uh, Yes, I would say so. If the AFE rolls an original 6 on the colored die roll of the bog check die roll, the AFE has fallen through the floor to the cellar and is removed. Gone. Gone. The should the AFV crew survive, it is automatically placed at ground level, subject to ha- hazardous movement for any subsequent fire during that phase. So they climb out of the cellar, I guess. Just yeah. put them at ground level. Yep. Cellars have no other use in the game, unless, of course, it's red barricades and yeah. all that stuff. An AFE falling into the cellar does not, in itself, create rubble, nor does it have any effect on manholes, sewers, or units therein. Yeah. It's just gone. Yeah. And I'm sure they do that just for simplicity's sake. Because otherwise there'd be a lot of extra rules. <laughs> which, regarding, which you get some regard. of that in, in Red Barricades and yeah. the more intricate historicals. Yeah. So there you go. That's falling into the cellars. Yet to come. Row houses. Upper level rules. Just a couple more pages yet. And that'll be part two of Buildings. Wonderful. Wonderful, Dave. I learned so much, as usual. And what time we got on this show, Joe? Uh, an hour and 25 minutes. You're kidding me. No, I'm not. I guess we won't be tacking on a review. No, I think we'll wrap it up here. Yep. We'll call it number 142. 142. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Sign off tonight and say roll low. And rally, of course, quite well. Very, very well, except when you're playing Yeah, when you're playing us. us. Don't be doing it. Bye-bye, Thanks, everybody. everybody. Bye.
Barney Rumble. I've never had that, uh, but I, you know, crashing through the building is cool. Yes, and that's I like that in Kelly's Heroes because I could just imagine <laughs> right, the director saying, "You know, what we need we need a tank crashing through a building," and so they did that. They have, okay, roll it, run the tank through the building.